This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, it's coming up to 7.39 in the evening and welcome to A Bit of Politics, a show that will be keeping you company till the eve of polling day. I'm Sherrod Kutin and with me tonight, Cam Razlan, author of Confessions of an Old Boy and also host of A Bit of Culture, also Danya Naya, uh, news producer with BFM and Chuck, uh, who's founder of My MP. It's kind of a new initiative, I think, um, directed at understanding uh, your MP. And we're going to be talking about, you know, what's happening over the campaign period, our thoughts about it. Uh, So if you want to join this conversation, uh, you can uh, share your thoughts with us. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. So thank you so much for being here tonight. And let me start off. I have this Concern, maybe it's a generational concern, which is that in this, in the last stretch, uh, going to polling day on Saturday, we'll have some dirty trick. Mm-hmm. Some video is going to be released, some image is going to be released that somehow somebody thinks it's going to turn the dynamic, sweep uh, voters. We had it uh, several decades ago with the very famous image of Tunku Rizali wearing a Kadazan Dusun uh, headdress, you know, with the cross on it and was supposed to implicate or undermine the Smanga 46 uh, effort at that point to displace Barisan National. Um, and apparently it worked. Question is, in today's in today's media landscape, and the the fact that we are washed with information, could a strategy like that work? Danya, you're too young to have experienced that. Do you think those dirty tricks will work? If a sex video was released in the next few days, do you think people, and your generation in particular, would even care? Um, I'm sorry for being too young. <laughs> no, never, never apologize. Um, but I, I feel like... Um, Personally, they wouldn't be too affected by it. I think, I think we've become very desensitized to these kind of things, especially when we talk about like sex videos and things being released. And being so close to elections, it does seem very staged. Um, so I wouldn't personally think that people would be affected. I think there'd be like a sigh of um, frustration of like, oh, here we go again. This is another thing we have to deal with, another sort of... Um, narrative that we have to sort of go through and then block it out for polling day. So to me, at least, I don't think that it will have the impact it used to have in the past. Um, Jack, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I mean, people still talk about Anwar's uh, case, right? So these things tend to stick with them. I don't know where that's, you know, kind of a legacy thing, maybe, um, from our generation, unfortunately. And hopefully their generation has kind of forgotten those torrid videos. I, I love the way you've, imp- you know, kind of like uh, edge over to my side. I think, in fact, you're closer to Dania's age than you are to Thank you to for my. the compliment, Shara. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, Anwar, Azmin. I mean, all these uh, politicians have had uh, mud throw the, uh, at them in terms of these experiences. Exposés, right? But again, do that. Does that kind of expose politics uh, work? And can it work? Cam. Well, it is. Um, there are images popping up in real time, not not stuff that's been stored on someone's hard drive just for <laughs> just for now. Uh, pe- pe- uh, politicians on the hustings doing slightly embarrassing things. So yeah, it's being used. Whether it actually makes a difference, I'm not sure. In this age of Trump, where 
you know, absolutely nothing was able to torpedo him and Anwar for that matter. I mean, he's come back from everything. But you, so the dirty tricks thing, though, um, was also, uh, you know, sort of came out of a theory that the state, uh, particularly the, the the deep state, had an agenda. They didn't like certain people, didn't want certain people to come to power, right? And so dirty tricks was always seen as something emanating not from the general population, but emanating from strategists within the deep state. Is that something that, say, Cam, do you think of the deep state? Is that something that still, uh, you know, inspires terror, night, night shivers? Let's let's name names. What do we mean by the deep state? Um, I guess we're talking about the civil service, are we? The civil Um, service, the intelligence service, um, you know, special branch, all these things that used to be uh, the bane of, uh, you know, uh, activists fighting for democracy. Well, certainly uh, after the last election, I think that civil servants would have been thinking, some might have been thinking, well, this is just a passing fad. We can get rid of this lot. But but now it's it's just not clear if uh, who could be next. You don't know. So you, you know your political masters could be anybody, and you won't necessarily be getting that Barisan national status quo. So uh, I would say that that uh, when we talk about the deep state as being this dark, nasty, terrifying thing, it's just it's just people who work. Uh, they should be professionals, and they need to get used to a new reality. And I think perhaps they are. Yeah, I don't know. But I think with the deep state, and I think about it in this context, I don't really think about pre-polling day. I think there's a sort of feeling that something will happen on the day itself. Um, I think, like, we all know, like, all the stories about blackouts and things like that. But, Mm. yeah, I... I, (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, yeah, so I think that that's more of a thing that we've sort of uh, accepted and are still accepting, I think. I don't know if it will happen. I don't know if it will happen, but I think there's it something. Will. There'll be some, it will. There'll be somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. Just, uh, yeah, blackout, just electricity. Just for old time's sake. Okay, the, time the, the slowness in results. Do you remember your brother, Karim Razlan, you know, uh, very famously in Astro Awani, you know, called out the Election Commission for um, for not releasing the results oh, yeah, fast enough that. in 2018. Right? You yes, remember that, chap? Yes, I, I do. Mean, All so, of us remember that. Yeah, yeah, and so that's an iconic moment, right? And that Absolutely. we wanted, and I remember Karim's call, is we must never have have this happen again that the country will not stand for it but you know i mean it was a bra- these are brave words uh, fighting words coming from uh, karim yeah we were just talking about this actually just now uh, when i was having drinks with some friends and um i was just saying that i'm not entirely sure when we'll actually know what our government will be or who our pm will be because you know we have uh, three coalitions and it makes things a little bit strange like something that malaysians are not used to like in the context of what you said just now which is that you know we, there might be some scandal video or Whatever. So historically, Malaysians have always, Malaysian politicians have always slung mud at each other. But it's always been a two way thing. I sling mud at you, you sling mud at me, right? But now, who do we sling mud at? You know, like there's three <laughs> people in the room now, and that makes the kind of battle much stranger. Do you sling mud at this person who might want to form a coalition with you, you know, after the election? Then that gets really, really weird. So I'm not entirely sure whether they want to jettison somebody uh, with a scandal uh, in this in this day and age. I mean, it's kind of a cycle of slinging mud at each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's more yeah. like monkeys throwing poop, but you know. <laughs> okay, so okay, we haven't mentioned uh, to Dr. Mahathir because uh, his uh, Garakan Tana Aye never seems to be counted as a serious contender. Mm. But maybe we'll leave that to uh, a more serious political analysis uh, <laughs> for earlier in the day. I think, I think this is a time for a bit more coffee shop talk. 
You're listening to A Bit of Politics, and we're discussing old people, dirty tricks, MPs of parties, and building online personas. We'll be back. BFM 89.9. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. This is A Bit of Politics. I'm Shorad Kutin. With me uh, tonight, Danya Naya, Cam Razlan, and Chuck, founder of My MP. Um, you just have one name. Okay, but well, that's okay. Uh, I, I'm going <laughs> to go with that. Okay. He's like but, Madonna. <laughs> yeah, just like Madonna. Uh, Danya, let's uh, go to your concerns about or, or thoughts on building online pers- personas that politicians engage in. Yeah, so um, I was thinking about it because I think um, in the past few years, we've seen sort of politicians jump online to sort of uh, be with the masses, so to speak. Um, I think we've seen a few politicians do a bit of dancing on TikTok as well. Um, So I was wondering what people thought about how politicians build their like personas online, because um, I mean, in the early days, I mean, Politics is a marketing gig at the end of it. Um, You want to market yourself to people so they vote for you. And we had that with TV. You had that with people going out and kissing babies. Although I don't know if we can do that anymore in the COVID pandemic. Um, It's a different sort of game when you go online, I think, because there is direct and immediate feedback from people. And because we ourselves are familiar with social media, especially we are also experts in marketing ourselves. So... It's just more of a thought of how politicians create their profile online. Like Because people say they want honest politicians, they want hardworking politicians. How does that happen you know, online? Like, Because I think when I watch videos of politicians, it makes me cringe. It doesn't make me think, you're pretty good, I want to vote for you. You know, <laughs> It makes me think, like, I don't think you should be doing this. I think you have the wrong idea of how to build yourself online. And I... I think you don't have to stoop to what people are doing to build that. Um, you know, you don't have to make a video of you dancing to Taylor Swift to do that. You can. <laughs> you know okay, so I mean? these are the bad copycats. But what about the good ones? I mean, those who, in fact, create the copycats because they have found um, a formula that works. I mean, yeah, that's fine. I think that that's fine. But I think. It depends on the platform. I think those who have identified what platform they work on, those are the ones who are really good. I think, like, especially people like, um, I'm not going to shame anyone, but I think someone like Kari Jamaluddin has really sort of done really well in using social media to reach people. Um, and I think especially when Clubhouse was a thing um, for a while, everyone remembers uh, Clubhouse. When oh. He was, <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Invites. Um, yeah, he would sort of just come on. And you know, talk. I think I think podcasts, especially, or things where where politicians can speak sincerely. I think that's um, where they thrive. I think that's the problem with politics, really, because you don't know when a politician is being sincere, right? So okay, Cam, this the mark of authenticity of a platform like TikTok. I mean, for our generation that maybe had less uh, a less mediated relationship with uh, the political, um, you know, with political contenders, you know, is authentic- authenticity ever really possible on something like TikTok? Uh, for for a, for an older politician, <laughs> it must be very hard because you know, just yeah, you know, the image that we grew up with and that the the politicians, the older ones, want to exude is that sort of feudal client patron kiss my literally kiss my hand kind of image and and <laughs> that kind of person can't start doing a tiktok um, <laughs> you know because tiktok requires 
Uh, one, it requires volume. You you have to really saturate. You have to keep coming up with content. Also, um, it requires being self-deprecating, uh, humor, um, physic physicality, and whereas the traditional image of the the politician is none of those things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, chat. is just what slouching. <laughs> it's, it's, it's slouching in the big chair, in the big wooden chair at the front. Sometimes and, falling and they, asleep. They, they, they want that. Yeah, they, they want to live that life. It would be so humiliating if they started having to dance to Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, well, having to start that, you wow, are you that. just assuming the politicians don't like Taylor Swift, Cam? That is just so rude. So rude of you. Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, Chuck, I mean, have you seen anything out there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that has made you sit up and think, well, this is clever? Because actually self-deprecating, I don't think of anybody on TikTok. I mean, I don't I say I haven't said that much, uh, who, d who doesn't know how to do that. Well, um, we've seen sites that like giving policy updates while he's doing push-ups. I think that's pretty cool. I think, um, you know, so, but of course, he's one of the youngest politicians out there. Um, I can't see Mahathir doing the same thing, but Mahathir does go on his bike, you know, around Putrajaya, and people like that too. So Mahathir still has some level of physicality. I mean, for, for a guy who's, what, 97 now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, he invented... I mean, he is a genius, though, at that. I mean, everyone else is merely in his shadow for, for decades. Mm, fair yeah, enough. I mean, the last uh, general election had him and Siti Hasma, uh, you know, kind of doing the you know, cool old people yeah. kind yeah, of like the, the, uh, videos, wasn't it? I yeah. mean... Uh, Playing violin and stuff, yeah. But the, yeah, and, piano. you know, or to, uh, being interviewed by kids. I think that was yeah. very charming. It was yeah. like... Uh, the, the, cute, the cute old uh, grandfather and grandmother kind of... Yeah, stuff, you know? it's a very appealing image, yeah. But so, okay, so what can go wrong, you know, uh, Daniel, in your view? W what is the downside of relying too much on this kind of online persona? I mean, I think really with, with doing things online, the real problem is getting stuck in a bubble because I think, as we all know, when we go online, you only sort of read what you want to hear, right? You, you want to hear things or read things that support your own ideas. So I think with politicians, it's easy. If you go online, it might be easy to forget that you are speaking to people who already support you. Um, and that just kind of built a false narrative of, oh, yeah, everyone loves me. I'm great. I don't need to change. Um, but I think they need to do a lot more in reaching out to those spots online where people have completely different views than them. Because I think uh, the way I view politicians especially is kind of like I'm in a long-distance relationship with them. I'm not necessarily <laughs> dating them, but, you know, we, we are together. They're, they're together with us for four or five years, whatever it is, and... Um, you see them once during election. You don't necessarily see them all the time uh, throughout those few years, but you know they're there and they, they say they're listening to you. I don't know if they are, but they say they're listening to you. And they say they're not cheating on yeah, you. Yeah, they say you're not cheating on you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you want them online to be there and listen to you, even the ones who don't like you, but are, you know, in your constituency, you still have to pay attention to them. Um, so I think you, you have to make sure that they're going on different pockets of the internet and different platforms to make sure they're reaching everyone, you know? This, you know, Chai, I want to bring in, because uh, we're going to be talking about your topic, which is, is this effort sure. that you have put together on understanding your MP. But what I think is key in something you just said, Dania, is the, uh, the idea of uh, the constituency. Because you can be very popular on TikTok, but that's almost a national survey yep. of your popularity. It could be even global if you are, you're cute enough or funny enough. 
right? But your constituency isn't going to be reflected in the numbers that are coming through on that particular platform. So how does TikTok reach out to <laughs> constituents, Chuck? No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, by, by nailing it that, you know, uh, what we see is public popularity. We're not seeing localized popularity based on the constituencies where they might win. Um, of course, you know, there's buzz. So let's say if you're generally popular, people are going to know you're generally popular. That's why, you know, I think a lot of people in Sungai Buloh are considering Kairi Jamaluddin because they've heard so much about him elsewhere. You know, and it's not just about focusing purely on 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 Sungai Buloh. But I think like um, what I think is more important, actually, and this is unfortunately bringing my my own uh, platform to into into the conversation, is that we move away from trying to judge a politician's personality. I mean, let's be honest. You know, I'm sure ninety percent of them are not projecting their real personalities. So what can you judge them by? And I feel that that conversation needs to happen uh, sooner for Malaysia. Like we need to actually judge people based on their performance. You know, um, but what if you're new and you've never had a chance? So you're putting up yourself for the first time. You, there's very little history behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no question of performance, and and so you have the built, uh, you know, fictional, as it were. I mean, well, it's it's um, it's it's thought through. It's it's intentioned, you know, and and therefore it's kind of a um, a fiction, as it were, as opposed to the real. Is there is there a real cam? I mean. Do we still believe in the real? <laughs> in, in the real personality of the real person? Yes, the real person of the real person as opposed I, to the fake I think, personality of the I, real person. No, no. I think once upon a time when politics was truly localized, I think that we would have wanted to have known. But now I'm wondering, do we just vote not for just the coalition or the party? Um, are we... Like, I mean, I, I know which coalition I'm voting for, and I have no idea the name of the candidates. Uh, I don't know if that makes me strange, but... Um, I think it makes it very typical. I think a lot I, of people I think, I think maybe, are going yeah. to be uh, voting for, um, well, for yeah. a brand, so, for a narrative. Yeah, you so know? therefore the, the politician who wants to create a personality is one that has ambition uh, for having a very long-term relationship with Danya Naya, as she just pointed out. <laughs> okay, we're heading into the 8 p.m. news. This is a bit of politics. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. I'm Sherrod Gooden. This is a bit of politics, a show that will keep you company till the eve of polling day. I have with me the host of A Bit of Culture, Cam Razlan, uh, flown in, fresh, uh, very expensive, uh, but we got him. <laughs> For your uh, listening pleasure, also Danya Naya. She's a news producer at BFM and Chuck, founder of MyMP. I'm going to go with you, Chuck, first. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What is MyMP and what exactly, um, you know, in terms of the assumptions you're making about the way Malaysians think about politics, are you trying to address? Right. Okay. So I believe that um, the idea for MyMP came about shortly after there was a certain meeting at a certain hotel at the start of the pandemic. And uh, we felt very powerless at that point in time where, you know, previously we thought, hey, you know, um, you support the right coalition and they get into power and, you know, everything is fine after that. And clearly that wasn't the case. So what could the average person do about this? And what we thought was we need to hold individual MPs accountable. 
And so then that kind of spurred this idea of turning MPs into video game characters and putting them online with stats. Like, you know, usually they have strength and intelligence, but here now you have availability, work ethic, you know, uh, win rate, loyalty, very important. So then once we thought of those bars, then we thought about how do we calculate those bars. So loyalty would be how many times they change parties and affiliations. Work ethic would be how many questions they ask in parliament and so on and so forth. And then we started drawing 8-bit versions of every single politician and then we came up with my MP. And it's a game. Is it? Is that what it is? Mm. Have you gamified the the issue of the relationship the, between the voter and their MP? The game is the future of Malaysian uh, <laughs> of the Malaysian landscape. But we are actually uh, planning to gamify the uh, platform. So one of the things that we're talking about right now is a fantasy parliament, kind of like fantasy football, except that you monitor your par- <laughs> your politicians like you monitor your football um, uh, professionals. Like when they score in real life, they will score in fantasy parliament. So that's one of the things that we're trying to actually get funding to develop right now. But even at its current state, um, I have to be really grateful for this because usually we get about maybe, what, 15,000, 20,000 visitors a month. Uh, this month has been closer to almost half a million. Mm. So um, people are coming in and checking in politicians. And um, try and guess which is the, uh, who are the three most popular uh, MPs on our profile. I'm going to ask Cam that. Cam, Ooh. could you hazard a guess? Who do you think the Ooh. three most popular MPs um, on that platform that Chuck has created. If if he is not, then it would be very telling. Anwar Ibrahim? Yep, number one. Okay. Um, definitely not Zahid Hamidi. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the second good guess. Okay. Uh, We're going to ask you for election predictions after this. Said Sadiq. Said Sadiq just sneaked into the top three recently. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number four right. is Kyrie. So let me just remove that from your guest uh, list. Oh, my God. And oh, number, two, real pressure. I'll, number two, I'll save you the time. You're never going to guess it. Yeah. No, well, go. Come on. Come on then. Tell me. Answer the guess. Yeah. No, no. Oh, my Lord. All right. Uh, Isma Sabri, the Mr. Charisma. <laughs> Hadi Awang. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Would yeah, you have guessed that, uh, Danya? No, but I, I guess he has been in the news a lot lately for some uh, controversial remarks, shall we say. So maybe people are looking him up. Which I, remarks I, are you talking about? <laughs> many, many remarks that I don't want to uh, say. say. Um, yeah, but that's quite surprising. I, I Maybe people are just curious about past and their leader, I guess. It was very interesting for us as well because, you know, um, with a lot of the things that I've done previously, I always wanted to um, avoid, you know, just making the Bangsar bubble happy and, like, you know, just catering to them. So when I when I see that Hadi Awang, who has not actually been in the news that much, you know, like, I, I searched the news. I was wondering, you know, was it some, some piece of news that was leading people to the site? And there wasn't really. But the surprising thing was after uh, he became popular on our site, then he came up with a statement protecting his lack of attendance in parliament, according to my MP. So I thought that was like, holy crap, you know, like we're actually like putting politicians on the defensive now. That's the best feeling in the world, you know. But, but do you, can you, can you tell where um, your visitors are, are from? Yes, uh, we can. Yeah. And so uh, majoritively is from the Klang Valley, but we get uh-huh. a pretty significant audience from Johor. I think Johor is the second biggest city after Klang Valley and then Shah Alam. So there are significant um, uh, um, non-Bangsar bubble, I guess, uh, visitors. Do you say Bangsa Baba like it's a bad thing? Oh, it's not a bad thing. It's just that yeah, I, yeah. I feel cut, it's cut over-catered. It out. Cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> just need to go outside the bubble, Cam. Go yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hartamas is pretty awesome, too. Okay, okay. Who's living in the best um, uh, district or neighborhood? <laughs> Danya, 
So this, mm. do we lack information? Is not what's um, missing in the mix for Malaysians? Is it a question of information? Because it was true for a generation that where you know RTM ruled the waves, right? And then you can really say, well, you know, you weren't getting information, or everything was skewed. But today, well, I think we have the opposite problem now, don't we? Where instead of um, where we have too much information, and I think we don't know where to start with it. Um, yeah, especially I've I've spoken to a lot of people on the ground uh, when I've gone out uh, on assignment, um, and a lot of people don't know who is in parliament. You know, no, people don't know uh, what's going on. I, when I speak to people outside of the news um, cycle, the news sort of world, I guess they no one really wants to think about it. I guess unless I think unless it comes to a point where it affects them, like you know, the prices of goods going up, going down. I don't think people want to think about it because when they think. I, about politics, it's all about drama. It's all about fighting. There doesn't people still think that politicians don't really contrib- contribute much? I think you know. I think there's a general sense of they're not doing anything for us, so they don't want to hear about it. And and now that when we have this, all these platforms available to us, there's all this information. I think people don't know where to start. They don't know what are the important points. You know, they don't know like. Okay, what policy should I thinking out when I look at this MP? You know, what things do I want him to have? I think that's the problem right now. Um, and I think just general tiredness about politics. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you, Chuck, you said there's been a peak in visits to your site. Do you Absolutely. expect that to actually fall off the cliff as soon as elections are concluded? I, I actually think it's very likely, uh, in all honesty, that, you know, of course, this month, everyone's checking out candidates, which for us is a positive already. And after the election, obviously, it will take us some it will take us some time to put in all the new information about the new MPs. You know, uh, so it's our responsibility to find some way of keeping interest in that, because at the end of the day, we don't want to just monitor politicians before an election. You know, we want to monitor them throughout. And so if I can create a game that can do that and where people will feel emotional about it's no longer about, hey, oh, my politician missed out on some you know days in, in parliament. No big deal. But now it's like I'm dropping eight places on the leaderboard. Like, screw this guy. You know, I want I want him to perform better. And by the same token, I want the politicians themselves. My my, my goal here is for, let's say, someone like Kyrie Jabaludin. Unfortunately, his attendance is not great. It's less than half, you know, in, in parliament to look at a site like mine and realize that people are thinking that's not cool and try to improve his attendance. As as a you know consequence. I have a question though. How would the fantasy football sort of have you thought about how that would work in Parliament? Because is it based on the number of times you attend Parliament? Is it like I don't know when a bill gets passed? Like what is? The... Yeah. So I think it's a it's it's a multiple of things. So one of the important things about my platform is that we have to be a neutral. So we can't take a stand. You know, we can't take a stand of whether or not climate change policy is good or bad. You know, whether or not you know giving citizenship is good or bad. That's kind of, that kind of thing. But we have to. We can base it on performance. How many uh, questions they raise. How many suggestions they 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 put on on laws. How often they arrive. Whether they stay the whole day. You know, uh, and whether they are part of any, you know, um, uh, working committees, whether they they try and pass motions, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. Well, okay, we uh, I want to come back with the New Straits Times and used to track, um, you know, attendance at the assembly over the day, and and that's also a very interesting uh, approach to the, uh, to uh, looking at Parliament. But we're going to um, uh, going to take a short break now. Uh, keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9.
the business station. BFM 89.9, a bit of politics. Uh, Dania Naya, Chuck, uh, Cam Razlan and myself, Sharad Kutu. Cam, I did want to ask you, do you remember the time and when, you know, people were still reading the New Straits Times, they used to track attendance of Parliament, uh, you know, um, and it was like, and it would peak in the morning and then it would fall off after lunch. It was, you know, and so you saw this pattern. Do you remember that, Cam? I, I do not. I don't I don't actually. No, I yeah, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. But okay, so um, mm, okay, we're all people and that's the subject of your <laughs> your concerns. But because yes, we've been yes, you're talking about lot... newspapers, yeah. <laughs> newspapers, yeah, we're still talking about so you know, um yeah. that's the thing you wrap the nasi lemak with, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's their main yeah. function. I'll, I'll show you a photograph, Daniel, later. Oh, thanks. A, I was just sitting yeah. here. Just coolest, in case you, you don't know, know what it looks yeah. like. Um so what about all people, Cam? Well, nothing I'm about to say is science. This is all purely anecdotal, except for one little fact, that at the last general election, 20% of registered voters were 60 and above. So there are people who, who for whom this is literally their 15th general election that they've taken part in. And um, meanwhile, there's been this explosion of numbers of the 18-year-olds. But I think it's safe to say that more people who are 70-year-old will vote than 18-year-olds, because 18-year-olds are not going to vote. 18-year-olds never vote anywhere, and, and nor should they. Um, they can do whatever they want. So uh, I think that the journey of the older voter has been very, very interesting. I mean, some of them voted for the alliance, let, let alone the National Front, let alone Barisan National. And I have a, a, a Twitter feed, which I built up long time ago, just of umno voices and all of them have since then left umno but they still speak umno language so really what kind of happened was the party left them they they did not leave the party they still maintained that and they yearn for that that lost time that they put so much energy into and so uh, but that, i also know people who moved away from um, bn and it was a long, painful journey of trying to understand a, a new landscape and try and actually the loyalty issue. Uh, Chuck mentioned the word loyalty earlier. Uh, it was a betrayal. They were they were betraying their party, and um, it hurt. And so I, I I think that we need to look at old people because they will vote. And when you go out of town to the small towns, they're a significant number in in smaller um, districts. I, I want to bring up this um, interesting ad campaign that you know happened in the U.S., which had all old people in it saying, "Ah, well, I'm going to vote." You young people, Daniel, you're nodding your head here. You know this one, and it says, "Well, don't bother voting." You know, we like the tax breaks for the rich. Mm -hmm. Don't bother voting. We, climate change is not going to affect us. And so it was, well, you know, in a very kind of on-the-nose kind of reverse psychology, telling young people that their generation, uh, priorities of that generation were very different from what young people, and when young people don't participate, they uh, forfeit the, uh, the power to reshape the country. Have you seen this, Dania? 
Um, I have uh, heard about this. Um, I haven't. I didn't see it. I just saw sort of uh, anecdotal sort of experiences from other people. But um, Cam, just to defend my younger, my younger siblings, <laughs> <laughs> my younger eighteen-year-old brothers and sisters, this is their first time voting, so it's a bit unfair to say eighteen-year-olds don't vote anywhere. Yeah, but how old were you, Danya, when you first voted? I mean, twelve. When you first voted, so four years. So the last one. The yeah. last one. So I was. The last one. I was twenty-five. I can do math. Well, there you go. Twenty-five. Okay. And you, you were. I was thirty-five. I was thirty-five. Chuck, I don't know how old you were when you first voted. Uh, let's not reveal that on radio. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, let's not put pressure on 18-year-olds. But no, old no. people will vote, and I think I, we should I, be I mindful of them. There's a difference now as well, because there is so much media that engages young people, number one. Number two, there are actually candidates that are in their age group. I think that also makes a difference. Um, and number three, I think that um, regardless of your age, you're seeing the consequences of not voting uh, in your everyday life. So I'm not oh. saying that there's going to be a huge, you know, uh, influx of young voters, but I okay, don't but think. But no, but I'm, I'm just saying let's not concentrate on the on the 18 year olds because I think that their participation is doubtful. But, okay, it's, but it's, not, it's not proven yet. But let's talk about old people. What are they? Where are they getting their information? And what are they choosing? Because they will vote. WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Unfortunately, okay, yes, WhatsApp. Yeah. But I want yeah. to say something about 2018 was also significant. Uh, reported by friends with you know with all the parents who were um, diehard Barisan National um, uh, supporters, or what they or maybe they supported a status quo. This idea that you know if you keep your head down, you know, uh, ch dramatic change is not good for the country. It can only lead to chaos. And yeah. in 2018, yeah. they did abandon those ideas. They did abandon that worldview that kept them from voting for anybody else. Except uh, but it was a ten year. It was a ten year journey, I think, for those people to get to that point. But they did. The question, but they did eventually, yes. Yeah. So the question is today, how after the you know the uh, turmoil of the last four years, will they return to the um, to the you know to the wisdom that they used to have that in fact stability once uh, you know um, exemplified by Barisan, by Barisan National that had the middle ground. You know, or will they say no? I'm no longer afraid of change, uh, and carry on in the tr in the tendency that we saw happening in 2018. What do you think, Cam? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm I'm hearing that what? a lot of people, especially Chinese people, older Chinese people, are thinking of that. It's like, oh, we we made it. We we made the effort. We put up a fight. What the heck? This is the way it is. We just go back and do the same thing. Uh, but also, I, I know people who have made that transition and who are now uh, committed. They don't necessarily like the candidates that are being put up in front of them, but they, they've they gone this far and they're not going back. I mean, it kind of depends on where where you go, I would say, because um, my constituency has gone back and I've spoken to a few uh, older people, older folk in Gombak, and most of them do sort of still think that, um, you know, the earlier government after the change happened didn't have enough time to do, you know, what they had said they wanted to do, and they still want to see, you know, what a different party or a different coalition can do um, in the next few elections. So I still think, I think it depends where you go, because the place where I live is also, you know, I think 
quite privileged people. So I think if you go somewhere like a kampong, then maybe it would be sort of like, yeah, let's go back to the way things the way it, the, the things uh, the way things were. I guess yeah. I don't doubt that kampong people could uh, could actually want dramatic change. If you look at actually Hadi, we were talking about Hadi Awang earlier, mm-hmm. right? He he was a one-term Menteri Besar Trungganu. You know, the people of Trungganu changed their Menteri Besar. They they thought that that past government didn't do under Hadi didn't do so well, and so they changed it. So, but but coming back to this point, I mean, not to shock you, uh, Dania, and you know, you know, don't fall off your chair. But Cam and I are very close to sixty. Oh. So the, 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 <laughs> you guys don't look not, it. Not very. I, you guys, so I thought you were thirty. It's oh, I'll oh, oh, this. But I'll you know, go at forty-ish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, Cam, you, you realize you talked <clears> about this demographic, the sixty over. We are almost sixty ourselves, we and are, we come we from are. a generation that isn't our parents and their concerns coming out of the war, seeing the turmoil of early independent Malaya and Malaysia. You know, we are a generation that is approaching sixty. But with, and Pat, do we define our generation, Cam? Uh, well, there's that Bangsa bubble thing lurking. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know, length and breadth of the country. I don't think that places like Barisan National uh, had the same emotional appeal. Um, I mean, it was it was a family. It was a place that you you grew up in, you devoted yourself to. And I, I, I don't know. I remember when I was uh, 25 or something, someone once said, hey, we should start an UMNO division. And I was laughing. I was like, what? Me? Who? You? What? That's ridiculous. Um, and there are people who are dedicated to Amna, but I, I, it doesn't have, I feel like it doesn't have that same, that nation-building kind of uh, post-independence feel. Chuck, mm-hmm. where is the, where's this initiative going to take you and, 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 the, and the people that you want to um, engage with? I think um, one of the, the saddest uh, parts of the project so far is that finding out that a lot of really good MPs have been dropped um, from running entirely this time around. And, um, you know, some people, some people will say Tony Poir. Um, and um, Tony Poir, yes, is a very good MP. There's also another one. Well, he wasn't one. dropped. He, I mean, he voluntarily stepped away. Charles was dropped. Uh, Charles just, Santiago from Klang was Charles dropped. Charles Santiago, exactly. So, you know, like, through the process of, of, of uh, getting the data from my um, pr- platform, I have to read through Hansarts, which are basically a documentation of the entire parliamentary session. And you get to see, you know, who are asking good questions and stuff like that. And I'm no MP called uh, Salim Sharif from Jempol, uh, has 100% attendance and wow, asks really? a lot of questions in parliament, and he is dropped. And he actually, again, you know, uh, talked about his his um, his I never pon thing. That was the headline, you know, from from Salim Sarif when he got when he got dropped. But please check him out. He deserves to be checked out because he's a good MP. You know, on all performance uh, measure m- metrics, he's a good MP. And Amno by dropping him to me tells me they don't care about performance. Well, maybe they can don't I, care. Can about I just, Chuck, can I just I could jump in? I think that uh, what Chuck is doing is laudable because, and he was saying about going through Hansard because it was, as I understand it, it is not, it was not possible to go to a single place and find out this information. Absolutely, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, and yeah. it's insane. It's not computerized. It's not in Hansard. Uh, it, no one had that inf- simple information like that, and so he's the first. 
Chuck and his organization the first people to collate that and put it in one place? Um, I mean, we can't take full credit because there was a version of MyMP that existed before us, but uh, the data was very difficult to see. It was in a bunch of charts, you know, uh, and it wasn't very well displayed. I think by adding the 8-bit characters and the power bars and everything, we've just made it a lot more accessible. But yes, we are the ones, shout out to my volunteer team, you know, um, we've had over 200 volunteers that have come in and, you know, uh, sat read, uh, read through all these hand charts to, to basically put the data out there for everyone else to see. Okay, um, we're coming up to the end of the show, but Dania and, and all of you, actually, I want to ask you uh, what your thoughts are, what you're going to be observing the next couple of days, because we only have a, actually a couple of days left. Dania, you, of course, your job is to watch the news flow. So is there something beyond the news flow that you are plugged into that is going to shape your view of this election? I think mainly I'm going to spend a few a few more uh, more time, I guess, looking at the manifestos now. I mean, I have a look, have had a look through them, obviously, when they came out. But I think I want to study them again more thoroughly because I feel like I haven't fully understood what each coalition is is promising or whether a coalition has promised something that is contradictory to how they stood uh, previously. So I think that's what I'm going to be doing. And also, I think I'm I'm going to be looking at how what other people are saying, especially online and among my friends, what they feel about how the election's going to go or, you know, whether they're, they're actually going to go and vote based on how they believe instead of just, like, going there and, you know, wasting a vote on someone because they feel like, oh, I'm just going to go and do it and come out and, and leave, you know, and get freebies for voting, <laughs> you know? So that's why I want to see what, what, what people think about going out and voting, I think, yeah. All right. Cam. Uh, well, I've already made my decision. I know what I'm going to vote for. So I'm now just working out, is Blackpink really going to play in KL? I just <laughs> like One can only hope, Cam. One can only hope. Yeah. Blackpink, the, the South Korean... Don't even think about it. Don't, the, about it. Just, just, don't embarrass yourself. Yeah, but just it's got a lot on. of like non-Koreans in it, doesn't it? I did watch part of the documentary on them. Thank wow. you very much. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm with I don't it. even know what they look like. <laughs> Mic <Yeah>. drop. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're Korean, right? Or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Okay, Jack, what are you going to be observing the next couple of um, days? I think uh, the lead up is going to get more intensive, obviously. Um, I would like to see actually, like there's there's a charama going on with Pakatan, you know, in Tamantun. Uh, and it's a big one, you know, but I'm I'm curious as to see like what's the engagement from the, the Malays, you know, uh, in these mm. charamas and whether or not they're targeting those people correctly. Um, it's going to be a really messy election. I think everyone knows that, right? So on Saturday, anybody who's keeping track of the news probably won't get any sleep until Sunday, at the very least. And I'm fully expecting that. Uh, I'm pachaying in Bentong, so I will have to drive all the way down there and get my news from the comfort of Genting Premium Outlets. Oh, that's very interesting. Bentong, of course, another hot seat, I think, partly because the way uh, the uh, DAP switched out to Wong Tak and Put Young Sephora in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, I just want to say that what I'll be doing is thinking about the post-election period and how all these very interesting energies can go into something. I think we rely too much on political parties and politicians when we imagine a new Malaysia. It must be some other vehicles out there that, you know, uh, social and cultural vehicles that can be used to transform this country and, and, and sort of wean us off the dependence on politicians. But maybe that's just a pipe dream. Okay. Thank you very much for being on A Bit of Politics. I've been speaking to Daniel Naya, Chuck, and also Cam Razlan. This is BFM 89.9.
been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.